Hey everybody, welcome back. It's McLana and Armani. Uh, welcome back to Lesbians. Happy Wednesday, everyone. I once again had technical issues. I'm at my fucking limit. Um, but it's okay. It's okay. I, I have wine and it's almost four o'clock and it's a holiday. We should tell them like when we actually record episodes. So we're recording this on Labor Day, like the day, like the day that we're recording in case like, you know, something crazy happens and they're like, you didn't talk about this. That is true. We do need to talk about Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm mad that came out literally on like Thursday, like right after we recorded. Yeah. I've seen so many funny tweets about it. I saw one that was like, what is? He, what if he doesn't want a girl that can remember 9-11? Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> Once you hit 26, you can say goodbye to your parents' health care and goodbye to Leonardo DiCaprio. No, but like literally... I guess I didn't. I actually did not write anything about it. But yeah, it is very suspicious. I think it said like since the 1990s, he has not dated anyone over the age of 25. No, because when he was 24 and 25, he was dating Winona, who was 18. And then since then, it no one has been over the age of 25. And usually it's 20 to 25 now. Someone said, what if he, what if he's not breaking up with them? What if they're breaking up with uh, him because their prefrontal cortex has finally developed? <laughs> That's actually, I like that one. I mean, Power he probably honestly dates young women because one, he's attractive enough to get young women, younger women. Because um, I mean, obviously all these uh -huh. women are legal and it's not like he's dating 18 year olds, but it's probably one because women that young will date him easily will date him because mm -hmm. um you know he's attractive and number two i think he's just looking for the standard of beauty in women like you know what I mean? like that the, the age is 21 to 25 you're probably your hottest i don't know i feel like my prime is going to be my 30s i'm in my prime now and I he's missing out on really hot 30 year old women i just i found one tweet <laughs> i was laughing at it when you were talking i'm sorry but it said me explaining military time. So it goes up to 24 and then it starts again from the beginning. Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> sounds perfect. I love that. So my updates, uh, the first thing I want to talk about is the tattoos that I got. Her. So I was going to get a, an uh, a tattoo that says immunity in this like specific font um, after Claro's album, Immunity. Favorite songs on Immunity, I would say uh, I Wouldn't Ask You and Bags, in case anybody was wondering. And so I went to go get that, and then I ended up leaving with another tattoo. But when I was getting the Immunity tattoo, which is like, what do you call this? Like right before my elbow, right before my elbow crease. So I got on my forearm, like right before my elbow. I always Actually, said the elbow pit. My elbow pit. And... Yep. Yeah, so I actually started to believe in God while I was getting this one done. I had a full religious experience because I had to disassociate in order to finish getting this tattoo. I seriously have never been in so much pain in my entire life, and I could not wait for it to be over. But And then I got a, like, two skeletons in a heart, love is love uh, tattoo, and that one really did not hurt that bad, like, at all. Maybe, like, more towards up here. Like the actual word. Yeah, the shoulder's pretty painful. Yeah, yeah, this was all fine. Shoulder to chest, not fun. It's really, I don't know what it is. Sorry, I found another tweet. Go ahead. 
It's not that the door wasn't big enough for both Rose and Jack. It's just that Rose turned 25 that day. Oh my gosh. I, I forgot that he was in the Titanic. Sorry. That's why I didn't get the joke. I was like, what? Dude, yeah, that's how fucking old he is. Damn. He's the oldest. How old is Leonardo DiCaprio? 50 something? 47. Oh. I don't know why I thought he was older. Yeah, I thought he was older too. In his 50s. I thought he was in his 50s. I guess he's not like that old. I forget how close the 80s and 90s were, but how not close they were at the same time. Yeah, no, I definitely, I totally understand what you're saying. Because I got, after all of the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard stuff, I got into a, a hole about the entire Johnny Depp and Renona Ryder, every situation. <laughs> and that was, what, in like 90s, early 2000s. And I was like, damn, that was not that long ago. Yeah, I have another little piece. Well, actually, we already talked about this yesterday on FaceTime. But in case anyone was in the lesbian TikTok drama, so Jojo Siwa and Avery Cyrus basically hard launched their relationship on TikTok. And I was like... Wait, I have a question. Hmm. Probably a stupid question. Is Avery Cyrus in the, like, Miley Cyrus family? No, I looked it up. I thought the same thing. But anyway, so her and Jojo Siwa, like everybody knew, and that was, like, literally, like, a week after... Soph and uh Soph and her broke up. I was like, God damn, that's the fastest move I've ever seen in my fucking life. Uh, that's kind of the update on lesbian TikTok drama. Uh who knows what Soph is thinking. All I know is I'm I would be pissed. I don't care if we ended the relationship on good terms, but it's like, are you really so you're really you're really gonna move on and fast? After they dated for what, four years, five years or something crazy? I always think of it as kind of like a coping strategy. You know, I guess, but girl, you need to go to therapy. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like for myself, I'm going to take time to myself, do my own thing, self-reflect, yeah. heal as, you know, much as I feel like I need to from that. And then, you know, start to not just jump into the next thing. Like people who do that, like, you know, you don't have time to process the last relationship. And so then I feel like they get into either toxic situations or, the same kind of relationship that obviously already wasn't good yeah and i don't even i mean if i was jojo there's no way i would there's no way like if a girl came to me a week after she's got out of a five-year relationship mm -mm. like and i mean i guess we were like friends before then so it's not like jojo was completely random but i'm not hating him right off the bat no i wonder if i mean i'm sure because they dated for so long and they said that they kind of drifted apart and like they're mutual, you know, they're civil and everything. Things are good between them. Um, I wonder if since Avery and Jojo were friends before, if they started having feelings with, for each other before Avery and Sophie even broke up. I think it's possible. I think it's definitely possible. Uh, it's just a fucked up situation, I think, a little bit on you know, so sad. I feel bad for her. But me and McConnell were actually talking about how Avery Cyrus and Kai, I don't know what her last name is. She's a UCLA soccer player. Wait, is it UCLA? I think so. Novak, Kai Novak. Kai Novak. If you guys don't know who she is, she does these like eating videos. Like, uh, I don't know, weird fucking videos. You can look her up. I think her TikTok name is, oh, it's Kai and it's called K-A-I. But her and Avery Cyrus give 
the same energy. Like, they should actually be together because they're both two of the cringiest people I've ever seen on the internet. Yeah, wait, we talked about this, but I can't remember. Is Kai still dating her girlfriend? Olivia? No, I think they broke up like a while ago. This isn't. A lesbian curve said, bam, 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 bam. It took everyone out. Yeah. I don't think I have any updates because uh, I can't remember what I talked about last week, to be honest. I need to like start writing stuff down or something. But uh, just been in grad school, straight vibing, you know what I mean? And I can't talk about my love life on this podcast anymore because <laughs> I feel like one day it's going to get me in trouble. So now, and, until I start dating somebody, you will never hear anything out of me. Oh, but I went out last night to go get drunk, uh, to drink. And my, I think now that I'm on Wellbutrin, the Lexapro and the Boost Brown, I was so fucked up yep. off of two margaritas and not like a, a, a traditional Mexican restaurant margarita. They were like this, you know, like in the glasses or whatever. And I was fucked up. And then I was like, we walked over to the sports bar I got a sour monkey, like a sour beer or whatever. I drank that because I had sobered up on the walkover. And then yep. I was drunk again. And I was like, I'm so fucking crazy. Yeah. SSRIs, they really will uh, pack a punch in your drinking. Okay, but we know that my dad is an ally. And he met this one gay guy. And he had like a funny to tell. And he asked me if I had ever heard of a platinum gay. And I was like, no, but I do know like gold star lesbians, obviously. Uh, if anyone doesn't know what a gold star lesbian is, uh, those are lesbians that have only hooked up with other women, never hooked up with men or anything. Lucky, lucky peeps. <laughs> but he met this guy that was a platinum gay and he said, I have never been in or out of a woman and I was even a C-section. Or he said I'd never been in or out of a woman's vagina. And then my dad made a joke about him being born. He was like, nope, I was a C-section. So this man has quite literally never touched a woman's vagina. Well, now we know what the term means. God bless the gays. My Republican dad somehow taught me something. <laughs> he do be like kind of an ally. We working on some things, but... Most of the time, he says, ally. Talk, Valentina. Talking about parents, if any parents come after us for your kids listening to this, this is not my problem. I looked at our stats from, like, the episodes and things and people who follow us on Instagram. And we have some listeners in the 13 to 17 age range. I feel like 16 and 17, like, whatever. I, I was definitely following things that were, like, yeah. quote-unquote adult explicit. But... 13 and 14 and 15 years. Like, just wait. Wait a little bit. And then come back. We'll still be here. Yeah, because I feel like I'm honestly not giving good advice. Mm, no. Either way, but I don't feel like that's not good advice. I feel like we're mostly <laughs> satire because neither of us know what we're doing. We just like to hear each other talk. That's what it was. We would have phone conversation, like phone calls, before we made this podcast. And we were like, we're so funny. We should have a podcast. <laughs> But then sometimes we would talk about, like, intellectual stuff. And I'm like, damn, we should have a podcast so we can, like, talk about stuff. I was like, we would make a point or something. We'd be like, damn, I wish that was recorded because that was a good-ass point. Yeah. Talking about points, we need to talk about Lacey Peterson. 
I thought we were gonna do a whole episode dedicated to that because I didn't I didn't have a chance to I I only had a chance to look at a couple hard facts but basically what we're what McConaughey's referencing is like that we McConaughey doesn't think that Scott Peterson did it I'm pretty sure I don't know where you fall at now like obviously I did watch the entire crime weekly six-part series on it I I don't have an opinion on whether he did it or he didn't I just think that his trial was botched um, for like a number of reasons, like the investigation, the trial, the media. And so he still 100% could be guilty. I'm glad he got resentenced so he doesn't have the death penalty anymore because I just think there's too much reasonable doubt as of where it stands at now. I personally have no reasonable doubt at all. I think that he did it. I understand that like some some stuff it legally was botched, but I think he one hundred percent did it. If you want a case that will literally drive you insane, go listen to Serial. It's about um, this guy named Adnan Salif who was um, convicted of murdering his girlfriend back in the nineties. This is the most like conflicting case I've ever heard in my life. It's like an investigative journalist podcast. But me and Alina t- talked about it for two hours last night, like trying to figure out like whether we believed if he was guilty or not. And it's like, it's so hard because, I, you know, he's saying that he's innocent. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so you guys have to listen to that podcast. It is so good. And it'll drive you crazy because you're like, I truly do not know. But there are people who like 100% believe that he did it. Right. And again, like, I don't know if he did it or didn't. I just think there's too much probable cause. Like if I'm being 100% unbiased, like if I was serving on a jury, I do understand that jury member of trying to get on a jury because I personally think it'd be it'd be cool to serve on a jury for something like this because I love right. I love being nosy, you know. I want to hear all the tea, but at the same time, jury duty does suck, um, and I definitely would not make it onto a jury. <laughs> but I just yeah, again, I just think that there's there's just too much reasonable doubt that if I was on the jury I wouldn't be able to definitively say yes um I know you put a few things and some of it I commented on um some of it I didn't wait I do just want to say really quick about that that I knew he was guilty when or at least he was guilty in my mind when he called his mistress at his wife's missing vigil and he also happened to tell the mistress that his wife was already dead, like three days before she went missing. And said, oh. I mean, he didn't say she was already dead. He said he had lost his wife, which. Three days before she went missing. He was saying, like, this is going to be my first Christmas without my wife, as in, like, they were separated and things like that. It is. It is definitely. It is definitely sketchy. I am just playing devil's advocate. Uh, he had so much motive to to kill her and everything, but oh, we're gonna, probably going to do a whole episode on Patreon. Yes, because I also want to talk about Chris Watts. I definitely think he deserves the death penalty. Oh, I can't remember yeah. if he has it or not. I don't think anyone thinks that Chris Watts didn't do it because he eventually ended, he admitted that he did it. Chris Watts a hundred percent did it without a doubt, and we can oh, we can also yeah. talk about the death penalty and everything. I have like. I feel like I have the same ideology as the girl on Crime Weekly, 
but we'll talk about that. We'll kind of dive into like the Lacey Peterson case. Um, we'll dive into the case with Chris Watts um, and a few other ones. Because also, have you watched I'm a Killer on Netflix? No. So these are people that are currently on death row for, you know, murder. Then they talk about their stories because only about 50% of like the 8,000 people that get arrested a year for murder confess. Um, These people, in a way, like they did confess to the crime and that's, you know, why they're in prison and everything. Some of it, you know, they don't talk about everything. But I wanted to talk about part of that too because it does, you know, involve the death penalty and a lot of the episodes kind of coincide to my opinion on that. Um, yeah. yeah. I think me and McConnell are in agreement uh, that we are against the death penalty. Although, because Although. the death penalty still exists, if they want to fry Chris Watts, be my guest be my while guess. it's there. I think that when we have a solid confession, solid evidence, not no doubt fry him but in the case of chris peterson scott peterson oh where did i get chris? oh chris watt in the case of scott peterson there's too much reasonable doubt to subject him to the death penalty i'm glad he's in prison because i you know if he did do it then you know he should be locked up I think he's getting rightfully punished for all the shit that he's done just because he is, you know, genuinely a piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we should not have killed Eileen Warnos because I'm an Eileen Warnos. No. <laughs> I, this I, is an Eileen Warnos stan account. I'm an apologist. Because I genuinely think that there is and can be a reason to murder someone, like a good reason. Where murder can be acceptable. She was also a lesbian. They fried the only lesbian serial killer. I mean, Jesus Christ. Could you get more homophobic than that? Right. Like in her cases, I don't know about like every single person she murdered, but I know a lot of them were rapists. Yeah. Men who had raped her. So, yes, kill them. I mean, she's doing the Lord's work. Yeah, exactly. She's doing the Lord's work. I talk about this with Morgan all the time. Um, just like the opinion on like death, the death penalty and like killing people. Um, trigger warning, sexual assault. Um, if I could kill my rapist, I'd do it. Just because in my mind, you know, murder can have a reason, but rape, there's like nothing to ever excuse that. Yeah. You know, because it's all a power thing. Because you know the scenario where they're like, would you go back in time and kill Hitler as a baby? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. You know, or go back in time and kill the priest that saved him when he was like seven years old from drowning. <laughs> and then, you know, God would take him out, him out himself. I did not know that that happened. Yeah, honestly, I think that priest was interrupting God's work. I think God was trying to kill him. Right. And and then that priest interrupted. So really what we need to go is do is go back in time, take him out, and then Hitler will die anyway. But just, you know, that scenario, we got really off topic for a second. In that scenario, you know, would you go back in time and kill Hitler? Yes. That's a pretty easy answer, you know, to to prevent the Holocaust, 100%. But you would never say, would you go back in time and rape Hitler as a baby? What? Wait, I need to find this uh, 
sorry, I found it about the Holocaust uh, because we were just talking about Hitler. But I saw that uh, somebody wrote a quote. I don't know if it was uh, in a wall or something like that, but um, a Jewish um, man who was uh, taken hostage, you know, he was in the Holocaust, like he was in a concentration camp. He said, if there is a God, he will have to beg for my forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Literally. I saw that. It's so powerful. Very powerful. Also, another powerful image that has to do with the Holocaust is it's a photograph. I think I sent it to you. So it was a picture of Nazi Germany. Presumably, it was somewhere with the Nazi flag hanging outside. And someone had taken a photograph with a menorah in the window with the Nazi flag in the background, which is an incredibly powerful picture because that was honestly like risking their lives to have a menorah in the window like that. Yeah. It made me, that mm-hmm. made me think <laughs> now we're, we're literally just like uh, antidote after antidote after antidote. Something's making me think, but I've been watching the show yeah. Chernobyl on HBO max and it's so good. It's like a reenact. I was wondering if I needed to watch that because the Chernobyl stuff is so interesting. To yes. Me. You, you need to watch, especially the one on HBO max. It's so fucking good. Um, and it's only five episodes, so it's not too long. And basically they needed workers because once the reactor core, you know, blew up and everything, the radiation is fucking insane at this point. They needed three guys to go underneath the reactor core to like manually shut off valves or something. And Mm -hmm. people were like, oh, we need these three men knew that those three men are going to be dead in a week. Right. Like they just knew it because the radiation was going to get so bad. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no chance that they were going to live, but they also, they, they couldn't just send anyone. They had to send someone who knew the layout, you know, of the reactor core. And so then they go in this room of the workers and they were like, yeah, we're going to need three. And there were three people, three men who were like, okay, we'll do it. Which I just think that is like one of the, because basically it was either three men or millions and millions of people. They were gonna. Die. It's like true sacrifice. Yeah, and uh, I was just like, "Wow, that's like the most heroic thing I could ever." You know, mm-hmm. we're our heroes. You know, right? Uh, like we make a like I make a lot of nine eleven jokes, but truly, like same thing. Like the first responders on nine eleven, like yeah. it is truly like so incredibly heroic. Yeah. Will I continue to make 9-11 jokes? Yes, but it's not against them. It's the same thing. Like when I shit on the military, my dad, he has the idea that I'm shitting on like every individual person that serves and puts their life on the line. No, right. like I'm not I'm talking about like the entity as a whole. Yeah. Oh, and did you see my TikTok about the NASA thing? Mm-hmm. People are bullying me in the comment section. I just turned the comments off, mm-hmm. but uh, so basically I made this TikTok video that was like, I do not believe that we have ever been to the moon. And Makana agrees with me. Like, there's no way we've been there because it just doesn't make sense that in 69, before we had all of the technological advances that we have now, we built a shuttle and put it on the moon. Mm-hmm. But now, since the Challenger, I don't think we have got any shuttle to the moon and there was supposed to be another shuttle. There was supposed to be a shuttle that was going to the moon uh, like a couple days ago and they had to cancel it because of technical difficulties. And I was like, yeah, 
You guys didn't put anybody. You guys didn't put anybody on the moon. Let's they let's be at space all the time. Like they go to the International Space Station, and I do believe like now we do have the technology to go to space. But yeah, 1969. Oh, yeah. How did they have the technology to make the spacesuits to be able to withstand a vacuum like that? Yeah, we're gonna have to make. We're gonna do a whole conspiracy. Maybe that should be our next one, our next episode. But conspiracy theories because, uh, yeah, the moon landing was fake. Also, the wind in the picture. Get real. Get real. Get real. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't want you to have to edit for years and years. So if you want to jump right into this week's episode. Yeah. So this week, we are talking about DID. DID stands for Dissociative Identity Disorder, uh, previously known as Multiple Personality Disorder. Um, so I'm going to get into kind of just like what DID is. And then Armani and I are going to talk about, because we have varying opinions on DID and things like that. Some that we agree on, some that we don't. But I just wanted to give a general overview of what it is to be with Why does this episode seem so fucking random? Because that's how our brains work. <laughs> like, I re- we really have no reason why this is. Like, okay, so let's put a disclaimer that neither of us are qualified to talk about any of this besides that i've done some research on google right we're not counselors mental health professionals well, we're just commentary no- we don't have to be experts to make commentary i love debating and my dad is getting really tired of debating with me i think he's just getting tired of me being right and having a million sources to back my statements up and then when i ask him for sources he gives me nothing he did send me yeah. one source nothing. yesterday um and it was from a super right wing group research group and i could not find anything to back it up so i was like okay thank you next yeah so we just decided like fuck it let's just do kind of a psych topic uh well we also said like in another episode that we were going to talk about did because the ice horizon loft yes okay so let me just go ahead and get into what it is and then we can start our debates So dissociative identity disorder is associated with overwhelming experiences, traumatic events, and or abuse that occurred in childhood. Um, Some of the symptoms, and this is also the criteria for a diagnosis, is the existence of two or more extinct identities um, or personality states. But I did watch a TED Talk uh, by someone who has DID. Their name is Roswell Ecker. And they said that they don't like using the term personality because it isn't a personality. It's like an entire separate being to yourself. They described it as like having roommates just in your head. And then, you know, the name for all of the different identities are alters. And then everything that makes up all the alters make up a system. Uh, The distinct identities are accompanied by changes in behavior, memory and thinking. Um, And these signs and symptoms may be observed by others or the individual. Um, Ongoing gaps of memory about everyday events, personal information, and or past traumatic events. The symptoms cause significant distress or problems in social, social, occupational, or other areas of functioning. Um, Now, they did want to note that none of these things can be related to a religious or cultural practice for it to be DID because there are many religions around the world that have like the experience of being possessed or bringing in another identity as like part of their religion or rituals in their religion. So 
it has to be like non-religious or non-cultural. Um, so the attitude and preferences of a person with DID can change, you know, as they have different altars, these altars are all different individuals. And so they can all, and while they're in different altar states, each person can feel different. So they can feel like they have a different gender, feel childlike or younger. Also goes with, you can feel older, um, feeling like really big and muscular if you're normal, at least small goes along with like feeling like childlike. And, and so again, as it said, like childhood abuse is a huge indicator. So people who have experienced physical and sexual abuse in childhood are at a decreased risk of DID. Um, and the vast majority of people who develop DID have experienced repetitive, overwhelming childhood trauma. Uh, about 90% have been victims of childhood abuse and neglect, and that's of people in the U.S., Canada, and Europe. And this isn't like, you know, emotional or physical abuse that a lot of people, you know, may be typical in the household. This is like torture level abuse. I just want to make sure, you know, that's made clear. It's like extremely traumatic events. And then like with other mental health disorders, suicide attempts, and other self-injurious behavior are common among people with DID. More than 70% of outpatients with DID uh, have attempted suicide. So I wanted to talk about, I found like three myths about DID. Um, and then I kind of wanted to switch to you, Armani. You can kind of talk about like your side of DID and everything, because I feel like it kind of goes together. So the first myth is that it's just not real at all. You know, there's still a lot of controversy about it in the medical and psychological communities, um, but it was added to the DSM-3 in 1980, and it has been officially recognized in the DSMs since then. Um, and then also, I know we're going to talk more about this, the DID TikTok community, switching between alters, you know, being like super, like, what yeah. is it, like dramatic and catching it on camera. Yeah. And most people with DID, you know, when they're switching, it really can't even be identified by a casual observer, which in that TED Talk that I watched with Ross, they switched during the TED Talk. And they were like, we also want to say that, you know, switching like this isn't normal. We're only able to do this because we rehearsed it the same way as someone rehearses a dance, you know, for the speech they rehearse switching for their parts and stuff. Um, but even, you know, it was a taped TED Talk. You couldn't see the switch at all. They were just like, hey, this is Ross, or hey, this is a different altar. Um, and then also DID is not the same as schizophrenia, and it's also not a personality disorder, which is why they went away from multiple personality disorder, because it's a dissociation. So people with DID are not hallucinating their alters. And again, it's a dissociative disorder. So the person loses contact with themselves versus just having, you know, a mood disorder or changes in personality. So yeah, so uh, yeah, let's shift it over to you and you can like, kind of go over just all the things that you found because I think it goes into a lot of like, not like the myth, like not saying like you're right. myths, but just more information about it, yeah. I'll say to your points, like uh, the myths about DID. Um, I, for one, I'm not a psychologist. I am not a psychiatrist. I have no formal training at all. 
but you know back in the 70s 80s or something like that they used to have like that home uh that not homophobia but what was the one uh being a, a homosexual was like a disease that they had in the dsm-5 they ended up taking it out or whatever i just think the dsm-5 is like a little shaky so from that foundation well that's why there are updates every you know every so often I'm like i mean they could take uh did out they could but i'll get to that i actually have like a point i think on that like an article that i read i do want to say that i spoke to um an actual psychiatrist my psychiatrist we love that queen i'm not gonna say her name because i don't know if i should but um i asked her if she believed like that did was real and like i guess and and, you know she just kind of told me her experience she said that she does think it's real that she's had at least four patients, I think, with DID, but she didn't say whether she diagnosed it with DID or if they already had that diagnosis and they came to her. Also, she's never seen anybody switch between personalities. Um, well, I think if you do believe that DID is real, that could be because you're not necessarily talking about anything traumatic in it when you're talking to like a a psychiatrist, you know what I mean? Like a psychiatrist. I think that it would be easier for people with DID for like an alter switch. Like maybe if you're talking like about something traumatic as like a coping mechanism, but I don't really know. I think oftentimes alters, well, alters form when a traumatic event occurs. So in the TED talk I watched, Ross, Maddie was, you know, a little girl that was getting abused. Um, and when, you know, she was first abused, that's when Ross was created and Ross protected her from that. And then eventually Maddie was like, I don't want to run the system anymore. Like I, everything has been too traumatic. Like I need to rest. And then Ross kind of took over the system and it's, it's called fronting, you know, when they come to the front of the system switch and everything. Um, and he said that. It depends on how in control someone is of how people front, which I will get on when we talk about Billy Mulligan in a little bit. Right. I should have done some research into Sybil. I forgot. Maybe we'll have to talk about her in a different episode. But basically, I think the the main point was that DID or multiple personality disorder, what it was called back then, because I think this was in the 70s, maybe. Sybil was a person who was diagnosed with the ID from her therapist and it turned out to be like this huge kind of like hoax thing not because Mm -hmm. of Sybil but because the therapist basically made her believe that she had DID and was like putting these false you know if you're in a vulnerable state I feel like you know you can be convinced of certain things and Sybil was Uh probably extremely vulnerable so um but we'll have to talk about that uh another another time but that's basically where the i think a lot of the what's the word i'm looking for like attitude around did what people's conception of did comes from is because everybody knows Mm -hmm. that that was a hoax now because you know it came out that this wasn't true and i don't even think sybil actually had did it was just her therapist who was trying to like get fame and fortune or whatever she like wrote a book on it too i think the therapist i'm not sure i think it might have been the therapist or one of the therapists that worked with sybil i'm actually not sure i think so because it was cornelius cornelia wilbur i think she was the psychiatrist yeah she was the psychiatrist that 
wrote Sybil. She also worked with Billy Mulligan, which again, we'll get into. Again, you know, her renovations most likely were money and fame because everyone wants fame and power and money. So, so um, yeah. This is like a couple of points that um, I found while I was researching in all of our, you know, resources and our sources are gonna not resources our sources are gonna be in the show notes just as like to let you know i'm gonna be starting i'm gonna talk about the pathophysiology it is the study of the disordered physiological processes that cause result from or otherwise associated with a disease or injury one of the points is despite the research on did including structural and functional uh, mris and then some other a bunch of other tests i really don't <laughs> which ones it is it's just a bunch of tests that these smart people can do. No convergent neuroimaging findings have been identified regarding DID, making it difficult to hypothesize a bio uh, biological basis for DID. So basically they did, you know, just a lot of like different kind of brain scans and stuff like that and compared them to people that allegedly had DID and people that allegedly did not have DID and compared them and they couldn't find any like any noticeable difference in the brain for people that have DID. So that would obviously make it, they're saying that it can't be a biological process because I think essentially they're saying that there's not something switched in your brain. Like, you know how people with the feet fetish thing? It crosses over. Like so, Yeah. It, 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 that's interesting because, I mean, there is a lot of controversy about Billy, Billy Mulligan, but his brain scans showed that when he was in different alters, when, yeah, when different alters appeared, his brain scans showed the age of someone different. So, for example, he had one alter that was about six years old and when he got a brain scan and that alter was in the front the brain scan showed the brain age at like nine years old why does that sound like bullshit i had to look not saying you're, <laughs> you're, you sound not saying that like you made that like you know what i mean no i understand yeah, that's what i said like what is that magic i, I don't know <laughs> oh and he also uh he had vastly different iqs on any given day you know they would do iq tests on random days and he would have a vastly different IQ. Was he, a lot of people said that, you know, he was a class A actor, may have been. The brain scan and the IQ, I feel like it's just hard to fake. Because especially like the IQ test, I don't know. It's just so sneaky how they, you know, tested those. Yeah, I don't know. Um, in addition, many of the studies that do exist were performed from explicitly trauma-based position and did not consider the possibility of therapy as the cause of DID. I think that's more hitting on the therapist in essentially like Sybil's case, who uh -huh. said she had DID, made it this huge thing and got fame and stuff. Right. There's no research to date regarding the neuroimaging and introduction of false memories in DID patients, though there is evidence of changes in the visual parameters and support for amnesia between the alters. So I think that's more... I wonder what it means by introduction of false memories. Maybe like in the civil case, I don't know. I'm sure that she introduced false memories to her. Yeah. When like people used to actually like get hypnotized or whatever, which I don't think hypnosis is real. I don't know if hypnosis is real. Who knows? I guess it could be, but maybe not in the way that they portray it on like obviously media. Right. I don't think <laughs> it's the same way you portray it in media, but the brain is you know a complex system and it does do things to you know prevent or protect yourself from traumatic events like i'm an ifs and like i do have like different protectors in my head that don't come out as alters but it's it's like conversations within my head and not in a not in a schizophrenic way but 
It's not that. Yeah. Yeah. IFS is a reliable, like that's a reliable, good type of right. therapy. Cause there's like, so I talk to pieces of myself it. that were formed during traumatic events and figure out what they're doing to protect me. But in the cases for DID, yeah. these altars are formed during traumatic events and they protect them. So like, you know, they can block out all that memory, which I can't remember a lot of my childhood because I think my brain's just repressed so many events. So like clean slate. So who knows like what the brain is capable of doing to protect itself. Mm -hmm. Experimental tests of memory suggested that patients with DID may have improved memory for certain tasks, which have been, which has been used to criticize the hypothesis that DID is a means of forgetting or suppressing a memory. Patients also show experimental evidence of being more fantasy prone, which in turn is related to a tendency to over report false memories and painful events. I do want to talk about an article that a psychiatrist wrote for psychology today. So this is from Dr. Lazarus, I think is how you pronounce his name. I'll have it linked below. But he said the fact that mental health establishment reclassified MPD, multiple personality disorders as DID indicates that the very concept of the disorder is unstable, open to debate, and hard to pin down, which that was like the other thing that I was hitting on with the DSM, whatever edition that we're on right now. So that's kind of what I was thinking is like, because they changed it, but then, I mean, I'm sure there's other things that have been changed, maybe not the big ones like schizophrenia or like bipolar, but they do keep adding, they do, I think they do keep adding classes of bipolar though. Yeah, they have, you know, different classes of bipolar, they add things, also, a huge thing is a lot of the symptoms for different disorders within the DSM-5, like, overlap. Yeah. Well, so I wouldn't just go based on, I wouldn't say, oh, DID isn't real just because they have it, you know, because it got switched from MPD to DID. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't go that way. But he then claimed, and this is a quote, indeed, I know of one psychiatrist who dedicates her practice to DID cases and claims the number of people suffering from it in general or in the general population is huge saying that uh-huh. I didn't give a percentage, but basically a psychiatrist that he knows thinks that there's a lot more people with DID. He says, in fact, within my professional network, not a single competent therapist I know has ever seen a legitimate case of DID. Thus never in my experience among dozens of clinicians who have provided treatment to literally thousands of clients spanning decades of clinical practice has a single person ever been identified as a bona fide DID sufferer. So obviously this is his lens that he's going off of the fact that he doesn't know anyone who's actually, or not that he doesn't know anyone, but I think he's saying anyone who he thinks is reliable has never seen it. Cause he yeah. just said he psychiatrist that did. He says, now I'm not denying that people can have a strange disconnected amnesic and fragmented experiences, nor am I totally decrying the diagnosis of DID. It is possible that some unfortunate people who have suffered through horrendous abuse, neglect, or trauma may indeed suffer from some malady resembling this condition. Um, He also believes that there's other rational uh, explanations to why a person may be presenting DID. But the bottom line from him, he said, based on the evidence I've seen, NPD or DID is not widespread or common disorder. Despite the insistence of some practitioners If it does actually exist, it's most likely due to a profound neurological illness, not a psychiatric condition. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of contemplating the neuroimaging. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of debate on it. There's like, this is just like a point, this wasn't from that article, it's from a different one, but it said, 
some healthcare professionals ask if dissociative identity disorder pro proponents have a conflict of interest such as monetary gain. People diagnosed with DID tend to have very long-term intensive psychotherapy care, and this can create an income of up to $20,000 a year per patient. So this creates an incentive to diagnose DID. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think that after it first started when I saw a video on YouTube of a, uh, his name is Dr. Grande. He does a lot of like videos about like killers and stuff like that. And he has a podcast, but he's like a psychiatrist, I believe, or maybe a psych a psychologist. I'm not sure, but his name is Dr. Grande. If you guys want to look him up on YouTube, he has pretty like interesting videos on like what someone might be presenting, even though he's never met them. So he's like not saying this is, you know, stone cold truth, but he was the first. And I like the people that are like, I can tell if you're lying by like talking to you for five minutes, but it's like, you don't know the people's day to day mannerism. Man right. All right. I don't. Yeah. Well, he was the first one who said that he didn't necessarily believe in DID. And that's kind of where I started like thinking about it. And then obviously it was called the wonderland system. If you remember that on TikTok of that person who was like, I have like a hundred altars. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Yes. That's, I don't remember the name the other day. Basically where I stand is I think that DID is probably a real disorder. I don't think that it's anywhere near as high as it's being diagnosed in the population. Like I think it's really rare to have it mm -hmm. and it has to follow with like significant trauma, child abuse, something like that. And one thing my psychiatrist did say is that people don't usually want to switch into their altar. Unlike if you go on TikTok and there's, of course, people who are just, the videos are actually fucking hilarious. Cause like, come they're on. They're so cringy. And you can tell that they're just doing it for the clout, which is really disrespectful to people that actually do have DID. Um, considering yeah. one, what people go through to even develop DID. And then, Again, as they said, most people, when you're switching, you, it's not noticeable. And, you know, as you said, people don't want to switch. So it's like, come on, BFFR. <laughs> I see one more video on my TikTok for you page of somebody pretending to switch into eight different altars in 60 seconds. No, I don't believe those. Which I feel like a lot of people don't believe them anyways. You know what I mean? It's just like, ah, eh. it just seems like you're crying for attention that you really need attention. Mm hmm. I don't respect it. Okay, Billy, because I don't know who the hell that is. Oh, yeah. So this is a documentary on Netflix. I highly re recommend watching it. Can you see the theme? I'm literally obsessed with true crime. What is it called? So this is called The 24 Faces of Billy Mulligan. Or Milligan? Maybe pronouncing it wrong. Back from the future, I was. It's Billy Milligan. I said it wrong like seven times. His name is Billy Milligan. So he had 24 altars. I want to start out with saying, okay, yes, I want to start out with saying that I do not condone any of the crimes committed by Billy or the system. And not going to say, like, his DID is no excuse for the crimes he committed. So what happened? Wanted to put in a trigger warning because Billy's crimes do resolve around sexual assault. So... I would skip this section if that is something that is sensitive to you. The reason that Billy Milligan made it on the map, he raped three girls on a college campus. This is actually something that during the documentary annoyed me because near the end of the documentary, 
they started saying things like, oh, the alleged rapes that took place in whatever year it was. And I was like, no, these weren't alleged. Alleged. They weren't alleged. <laughs> they had full ass. Like the case got to miss dismissed because the cop did something illegal but there were full protests on campus against him because of the rapes women were really scared so it's not like an alleged thing what did he go to school there i can't remember if he was a student or if he just lived near there they didn't really focus on that Mm -hmm. or i didn't really focus on that if they did say it so yeah i don't condone or excuse any of his actions he still committed crimes, whether it was him or another alter in the system. And I do think that, you know, there still has to be some kind of, I don't know if like not punishment, but he did, he does need to be removed from society in order to keep, you know, society safe. That's what prison incarceration institutionalization that's what that is. I don't agree with prison. We can't, we we definitely should have an episode about the prison industrial system that's a whole nother topic we'll get into one day on for-profit prisons no i even said i could go on a long rant about the mental health care history in the u.s people with mental health mental illnesses in prison not getting adequate care and the horrible conditions of mental hospitals mental hospitals from the criminally insane institutions prisons the list goes on we'll have to have a really long episode about prisons I want to say that a lot of people think when they plead like insanity or whatever, they're like, oh, well, like I'm going to get out. No way. If you're going to the mental hospital and that is 10 times worse than prison, you're better off just going to prison. Seriously, especially in like the 70s and 80s and earlier too. But it was absolutely horrible conditions. Like prison conditions now, you know, are inhumane. But back then it was incredibly worse. Yeah. Do you remember there was like a riot? We'll have to talk about it at a prison because they were being treated so terribly and they ended up overtaking the prison. Yeah. That was insane. Billy does have an alter that is a criminal and a rapist. And because of that, unless he's able to completely control his fronting, I don't think that he think he should be allowed to walk the streets. Billy is dead now. He died from cancer at the age of like 69 or something. So again, you know, Billy had vastly different IQs on any given day. And then during brain scans, it showed different brains over varying ages. And then also, you know, how they talk about people with DID having different, you know, completely different alters. A few of his alters had different accents. A lot of his alters they don't touch on. I'm sure if, you know, you do deeper research into Billy Mulligan, not just from this documentary. It would go into like specifically all of his alters, but there were a couple that they focused on, particularly Reagan. And his name was literally like Rage again. He was this Yugoslavic alter. He had a Yugoslavic accent. He spoke a language that Billy's mother had never heard in her life. She couldn't understand it. Then another one of his alters had like a British accent. He, I didn't write down his name, but he was also one of the controlling ones. He kind of would come up and be like, yeah, well, this alter is being bad or something, you know, in his British accent. Billy did, like many people with DID, experience borderline torture, child abuse, and the alter that he has as a young child was most likely formed to protect him from that trauma. 
um, in the videos that they have of Billy throughout the documentary, whenever the child is present, he's saying things like he needs to hide, somebody's going to hurt him, da da da. So this altar, in a way, has all of the memories from the abuse that Billy endured as a child in order to protect the today Billy from feeling the trauma of those events. So again, his case did get dismissed because the arresting officer illegally recorded a conversation with Billy. I think it was a conversation between Billy and his lawyer. The officer, I get what he was trying to do. You know, he was trying to gather proof of alters or not, try to get evidence of a switch, try to get a confession, you know, but despite that, it was still legal. So the case was thrown out. And so there was a lot of things that happened after that. Of course, he kind of became a media sensation. Just people hearing his story. Of course, people also being enraged. I can't imagine how the families and the survivors of his crimes, you know, felt in the case getting dismissed. I know I would be incredibly angry. But there were like TV deals, book deals, all of this stuff. A lot of things happened. It got to the point where he was institutionalized, but it was a pretty lax institutionalization because one, the case is dismissed. And because of where he was at in his therapy, he was allowed to, you know, leave the hospital when he pleases because they just assumed he would always, he always came back, you know? And there was one point where he was afraid for the media. The media was coming after him really hard. And so he had a friend drive him from the mental hospital in Indiana, I want to say, or Illinois, or Ohio. Maybe it was Ohio. One of those states. And he drove him to Colorado, which, because of all the cases that were going on with Billy at the time, that turned into a federal investigation and the FBI stepped in. But then Billy, you know, he ended up just, like, moving around. His brother, who lived in Canada... They were worried, you know, he would jump borders and, you know, go with his brother in Canada. He didn't end up doing that. He ended up living in a small town um, in Washington outside of the border of Canada. From there, this is why I made the comment that he does need to be, maybe even if not institutionalized, he was too unstable with his medication, without his medication, and the way that he can control his fronting because at one point when he was living in another state it hasn't been confirmed but he killed somebody they had found like that person's belongings he had his like social security checks things like that and also when billy was on his deathbed later on he did tell i think it was maybe one of his nieces can I be forgiven? You know, just like that deathbed guilt. You know, he was like, I've killed someone. Like, will God forgive me? So I think he did kill that person. Came from his mouth. He could have killed other people and we just don't know. But that's why I just think it's so... It's hard because it technically wasn't Billy or any of the other alters that raped those girls and committed those crimes. It was specifically one or two alters the issue is you can't just lock up one or two of those alters that's not how it works yeah that's kind of a crazy story though yeah it there like you were saying about that one case there's just so much it's like did he do it like is like billy himself innocent and it really was one of his alters 
or like some people think he's just a class A actor. We won't ever know yeah. he's dead now. But if you want to learn about DID and kind of see a true crime example of it, I think that is a really good documentary. Um, if you want to see a video about someone that has DID that is not crime related, again, Roswell Ecker has that TED Talk called Kids Are Us, Child Abuse, and DID. So there you can kind of see a real world example that isn't crime related, isn't super dramatic like you see on TikTok. Yeah, which is not a good representation if no. uh, believe that DID is real. I, well, I don't think anyone believes the people on TikTok except maybe children who really don't know anything. That's true. But that's all I can imagine. Thank you guys for letting us be counselors, mm -hmm. psychiatrists, and psychologists today. Next week's episode may be conspiracy theory, something I think we're a little more validated to talk about because anybody <laughs> can talk about a conspiracy theory. That's true. I mean, we cite our sources, and I don't think anyone's coming on here thinking they're going to get 100% factual information and in every single nook and cranny of facts. Can't be an expert of everything, folks. So I'm just going to give my opinion on things that I've read and seen, and you can do with that what you will. What if somebody used us as a source? Like, what if our advice, don't cite us. Yeah, don't cite us. Don't quote us. Unless it's like a joke or something. Use the sources in the bio. Those are actual credible sources. Right. I think it's always good for people to research again things that they see. Anything you see online, research it again before you take it for fact. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so we'll do our next episode, you know, about conspiracy theories. I want to do that episode, Breaking Down the Lacey Peterson Trial. I also started watching the Crime Weekly episode about Casey Anthony. Casey Anthony can get the death penalty about seven times. About eight, 800 times because we all know that she did it. And I don't even know, we'll have to talk about, I mean, this is basically almost a true crime podcast, but not really. It'll be on our Patreon, but no, she needs to go to jail, baby. Yeah, we'll talk about it on our Patreon episode. Um, and yeah, but if there are any conspiracy theories that you guys would like us to talk about especially if they're queer related because i think i want to find a queer related one you know kind of let's go more on brand with the podcast even though we're two lesbians chatting so anything we talk about is gay that's the facts that's the truth truth nation no nope. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we will see you next week see you next week bye, bye.